going on, everyone? I am Joe Sebelia, and this is the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show with my guest, Stacy Lane Wilson. Stacy is a writer and filmmaker. Uh, she's the daughter of Don Wilson, who is the guitarist and founding member of The Ventures. Uh, Stacy wrote and directed the documentary The Ventures, Stars on Guitars, which chronicles the group's amazing musical journey, which led them to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stacy's recent book, Rock and Roll Nightmares True Stories Volume 2 is the second in the Rock and Roll Nightmares series and is available on Amazon, as is Volume 1 and all of Stacy's other books. Stacy was cool enough to offer a signed copy of the book, Rock and Roll Nightmares Volume 1, which I have right here. Um, to all you guys that are listening, and if you want to win this, all you need to do is send an email to rnrcoffeeshow at gmail.com with the subject line, True Stories, you'll be entered to win this book, signed by Stacey Lane Wilson. Um, one winner will be chosen on April 1st, so make sure you send me that email, rnrcoffeeshow at gmail.com, with the subject line, True Stories. Please make sure to subscribe to the channel on YouTube and follow the show on Instagram and Facebook so you don't miss an episode. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Stacy Lane Wilson next on the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. It's the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. Yeah, we do. You have a new book out. It's called um, Rock and Roll Nightmare True Stories. Is that correct? Volume two? Yeah, there's uh, two volumes. Yeah, so volume two just came out last month. And um, yeah, it's been really well received. Okay. Now what, I actually have them right here. There's one. Nine. And Very two. good. Now two is much <laughs> thicker than one. It is. I know. Um, yeah. I thought I was going to put uh, both things into one book and then I realized it would look like a rock and roll war and peace. So I decided to split it into two volumes. And then I got someone just the other day saying, so when's volume three coming out? Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, there's always crazy stories to fill many many books but um yeah those are the two um sort of like i call them like hollywood babylon but for rock stars and it's kind of like that's little bits of stories in themes so it's not just about one thing it's not just about the 27 club or just about rock and roll suicides so there's chapters that cover the various aspects right so how do you decide what you're going to put in these books like where do you get all these stories and how do you find all this stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, I've always been a true crime buff um, ever since I was a little kid. I think one of the first books that I remember reading um, was Helter Skelter when I was about 11 or 12, the, the true crime book. And also, like I said, Hollywood Babylon. My mom had all those books on her shelves and she was really lenient. Let me read whatever I wanted to. So I think that's where it started. And then I realized that there was really nothing quite like that for the rock world. There's a lot of true Hollywood stories and um, stories about actors, but not so much about rockers. So um, I wanted to cover that and kind of, um, you know, I would say they're irreverent, but they're funny, they're tragic. I mean, there's kind of run the gamut of emotions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's so much information in these books. They're great reads. I, I love the books, by the way. But how much, how much time goes into researching all this? Because you have to go through, like, down so many rabbit holes, I'm assuming. 
It is. I mean, well, um, coming from a journalistic background, I'm really used to doing research and I love doing research and history is one of my favorite subjects. So when you can blend that in with rock and roll history, it's just really a pleasure for me. It's something that I would do even if I wasn't writing a book. So um, that's, you know, basically what gave me the bug to do it. But where do I look? I mean, I look and I have so many old magazines, um, Rolling Stone, Cream, Hit Parader, um, all those magazines from the 70s that I've collected. Um, also, a lot of online archives. Um, Rolling Stone is a great resource because they have absolutely everything searchable online if you're a subscriber. Um, I also look through um, police records, crime scene photos. I mean, I really want to be sure that I'm thorough and covering every base that I can and be as accurate as I can. Right. So you check a lot of the facts and stuff before you put them in there, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Now, have you always been like you grew up in an entertainment family with your dad being uh, Don Wilson, right? For the Ventures. Mm -hmm. Right. And your mom was a writer, I, I believe, right? Yes, that's true. She was um, a gossip columnist in the early uh, 1970s. She was um, the first female editor of Confidential magazine. Oh, wow. Okay. So you grew up with all this entertainment and writing around you. Is that, have you always been interested in that or did that come later in life? Um, no, actually, it's always been an interest of mine. I used to write um stories um, when I was a little kid, like in uh, composition books and illustrate them with horses. You know, that was my big thing when I was a kid. I had a pony horses. and horses that I loved. Yeah. So I've always written. And I think it was just, you know, from growing up, my parents um, divorced when I was really young, but my mom, I, she was always writing a book. So it's kind of my inspiration. Um, and then not only do you write, but you also direct and make movies and all kinds of things. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Never a dull moment around here. Do you like writing or do you like producing movies better? Um, honestly, I prefer writing. I'm kind of a solitary person. I was a only child. I mean, I do have half siblings, but um, mm -hmm. I was raised by myself. So I'm really good at being on my own. And that's what I like to do. But there is something to be said for the collaboration of filmmaking and especially a narrative um kind of movie my most recent one is called the second age of aquarius and it's about um a 27 club member rock star who comes back from the dead uh sort of like weird science meets oliver stones the doors but it's really fun to write a script which i co-wrote this one with darren gordon smith who's known for repo the genetic opera which is a sci-fi horror film um, and he's also a composer and a musician, so he did all the music. So it was fun to write it with him. And then when you see what the actor, Michael Ursu, brings to the role of the rock star, and then it brings on a whole other dimension. So there's something to be said for collaboration as well. Mm -hmm. Now that film is available online? Where is that available? It is. Uh, it's on YouTube and Prime and Tubi and Voodoo and <laughs> you all, name all it. those. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And then you also, like I mentioned before, your dad was in the ventures and you did a documentary um, on them. Yes. That was a totally different experience because it took a few years to make it. 
Um, I'm used to like powering through something, starting a project and like finishing it within a certain amount of time. And with a documentary, you really have to rely on so many different interviewees and waiting on people's schedules to get, you know, all the musicians that I wanted to get in to talk about the ventures. So that took about three years to finish. And and, um, that's a completely, you know, like I said, a different thing. It's even different from writing a nonfiction book because there are so many elements that have to come together where, you know, that you're not in control of. (laughs) So that's a little difficult, but it did come out uh, a couple of years ago and it's been really well received. And um, what I like about it is that people that may not have heard of the ventures before are learning about how influential they were because they happen to come up with the rise of the electric guitar and it's just a really interesting, you know, symbiotic story about how they came up and so did the electric guitar. Mm-hmm. Now, I watched that. That was on, I think, Prime, maybe Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, and it's on Prime. Yeah. And I, I thought it was very good. Um, now, I didn't know a lot about the ventures. And, you know, and then I, I was listening to music and I'm like, yeah, I've heard that. So a lot of those mm-hmm. songs I've heard but didn't realize who the band was. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's kind of what I, who I wanted to make the movie for so that people could um, learn something and be entertained at the same time because they do have a huge fan base, but um, the Ventures nerds, <laughs> so, so to speak, I mean, they already know everything about the Ventures. They know a lot more even than I do. So I wanted to make the movie palatable for, for just about anyone who loves music or wants to learn about um, music history. Mm-hmm. And... Um... What did your dad say when you approached him about that, about making the movie? Or was it his idea, maybe? Yeah, I mean, actually, it was my brother, Tim, uh, his idea. But he's not a filmmaker, and I am, so I kind of took the reins. But he always wanted to do something like that. And and the Ventures had a few producers approach them. But, you know, kind of like the old Hollywood story, it's a lot of talk and no action. So I had to have someone who wanted to make it happen. And so I did that. And my dad was helpful, but really hands off. So like he didn't see any of it was finished. So it was really um, kind of a neat experience to have him enjoy it and appreciate it. And then he watched it once all the way through and then he wanted to see it all all over again. So (laughs) that was really cool. Yeah. I'm going to watch it again. It's a fun film. You really made it like the whole style and everything is very fun. Yeah. I really lucked out with my editor, um, Nina Hurton, because she is not only a really talented editor, but she's also an animator and musician. So she had all those elements that she was able to bring to it. Now, I didn't know that how big they were. I didn't realize that. Like, they're the what, yeah, they most really, popular or most selling instrumental band. Is that correct? They are the best-selling instrumental rock band of all time, still to this day. Um, and also in the 60s, they were outselling the Beatles 2 to 1 in Japan when they were at the height of their, their powers. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. And I think what really made them resonate resonate with um the japanese audiences in other countries that aren't english speaking is the fact that they were an instrumental band so there's no language barrier and you can just feel the music and project whatever you want into it and that makes sense yeah that totally makes sense yeah and that's what inspired a lot of aspiring 
um, guitar players as well, because there were no vocals or lyrics to get in the way of the purity of the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had a lot of people in the film as well that were mm-hmm. influenced by them that I didn't even realize that either. Yeah, a lot of people that you wouldn't even think would be um, influenced by the Ventures because they're maybe they're not really a surf band, but that's what they're most um, associated with. And uh, one of the most surprising um bands maybe it was anthrax who <laughs> had put like a thank you to the ventures in the liner notes of one of their albums oh wow very cool yeah yeah <laughs> well the film is is out there now i like i said i just watched it the other day so uh people can go check it out it is on amazon prime i know that because that's where i saw it i believe it's on youtube and probably the other ones oh I yeah mentioned. yeah it's it just um a couple of months ago um, went on to YouTube to watch free with commercials and that's um, international. So anyone in the world can watch it. There. Some of the others, um, I think prime and some of the other ones, you can only watch it in the U S and Canada through those platforms. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. Yeah. I've been checking out their music as well since I watched that. So, so <laughs> yeah. <cool. laughs> um, let's go back to your books a little bit, because like I said, we have the uh, rock and roll nightmares, volume one and two true stories, but those aren't the only books that you've, you wrote. You you have quite a few out there. I do. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really counted lately, but I have about maybe 20, 22 books out. Um, yeah, but I feel that I've really kind of found my niche here because for many years I was writing horror or um, fantasy, different genres, but really um, kind of drilled down to what I love, which is rock music. So there's this series, and then there's another series called Immortal Confessions, which is um, sort of a paranormal mystery series, but one of the characters is a vampire who is also a rock star. (laughs) So, you know, I still, I get to play in fiction and nonfiction with the rock and roll nightmares kind of brand. And if you will, are you planning on doing more movies in that, like that, with that genre? Uh, well, I do. I am working with the producer, um, Deb Brock, um, who wants to shop this series around as um, a possible anthology show, kind of like Black Mirror, but with the, kind of the rock and roll style. Um, we could also do a, a true crime show, like E True Hollywood Stories or something yeah. like that, with these. But it's just kind of in its infancy right now. Well, that would be very cool. Yeah. Now you do. Yeah, mix, wouldn't it? Yeah, you do mix in the horror and the um, rock and roll. Um, where did you find your interest in horror? When did that come up? Uh, well, you know, one of the first movies that really made an impression on me as a kid was um, The Pit and the Pendulum, starring Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad let me stay up till after midnight to watch it. So, you know, I kind of, my dad always loved those universal horror um, movies. And so I would watch those with him. And I think that's really what what started it. And also in the eighties, you know, when I was a teenager, um, Stephen King was huge. So I read all of his books and of course, Anne Rice was coming up at the time. And so I, I read a lot of horror and true crime and that's Mm -hmm. kind of what, you know, kind of where the direction that I like to go in as when I'm creating something too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one 
maybe kind of sets me apart a little bit is humor because <laughs> my humor is pretty dark. So my, I think my books are all, and movies are always just a little bit funny and irreverent too. Right. Okay. Now you grew up in Hollywood, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. Now, how was that? Cause you were around in Hollywood during the eighties and you were into rock and roll. Were you part of that whole scene, the sunset strip and everything? Did you, go out and do those things? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. I write, I, I wrote a memoir about that mm -hmm. um, called So LA. And it was about you know coming of age in Hollywood with the hair metal and the glam metal and the new wave and the new romantic. And, um, you know, Rodney Bingenheimer had a club back then and would go to that and the rainbow and the Roxy and Gazaris. So yeah, yeah I wrote about that. And it, not just a memoir, though, because it's also sort of a parallel history of what was going on in Hollywood at the time. So I also um, cover architecture. That's another thing that I love is um, the googie architecture that's Hollywood is famous for from the 50s, that kind of space age look. So it goes into a lot of different facets. It's not just my life story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's available as well on Amazon? Yeah. Bo your book? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Was, was there a, a club back then that you liked to go to? What, did you have a favorite? Uh, yeah. I used to love to go to the rainbow, the rainbow bar and grill on sunset Boulevard. And I had a, a fake ID that I got out of the back of some magazine, you know, you could order a right. fake ID back that. then. They didn't have the program everything. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, would, you know, just hang out there with my friend who had a car. She could drive. I didn't have a car yet. Um, so that was really good times and met a lot of really interesting people I'm that sure. I'm still friends with. Hey, yeah. I mean, but one of the most interesting people that I met at the rainbow was Richard Cole, who is, uh, who was Led Zeppelin's tour manager. And he was quite the character to say the least. And so there's some fun stories about him in the book as well. There was always, you know, some kind of star sighting, you know, Jimmy Page was there one night and um, the guys from Quiet Riot would hang out there, um, Motley Crue. So yeah, I saw a lot of those bands when they were just coming up and they weren't really well known yet, like Motley Crue or uh, Wasp, you know, some of those Wasp, uh, yeah. poison. Yeah. <laughs> I love Wasp. I've never seen him live, though. I'd love to. It was quite a show. Yeah. I think <laughs> I saw them on Halloween night at the Troubadour. And um, yeah, Blackie Lawless with the cod piece at eye level, because you're looking up at him at the stage. <laughs> it was really something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were, were, were they good back then, honestly? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. They all sounded good? Yeah, it was <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you look back now, of course, they'd be canceled uh, with the, you know, the kind of stage show that they had with the girls tied up on stage or in cages and, you know, but it was all just kind of something that we took in stride back then. Right, right. Um, have you ever, did you do any acting? No, no? <laughs> that's really not my ask. No, I don't really even like to be on camera right now. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like a deer. <laughs> um, well, let me ask you, so you have another book that it may have just came out. It's called Rock Tales. Is that right? Oh, that just came out yesterday. I'm so excited. I have a lot of um, 
cocktail recipes from musicians and from people in the business, um, rock and roll photographers, um, one of which is Lisa S. Johnson, who has an excellent book called 108 Rockstar Guitars and Immortal Axes, and also Jimmy Page's daughter, Scarlett. She's a photographer, and she gave us a really great recipe for a uh, it's an espresso martini and there's also mocktails for those who have been to rehab so we want to include everybody everybody right that's a very cool idea i mean how long did that take to put together <laughs> to get everything from everybody um it took a thought it would i thought i could just throw this together you know you just put some recipes in a book and take a few pics and you're done <laughs> but it took me about two months after two or three months to get everyone on board and you know you have to wait for people to send in their pictures because some people wanted to send in their own picture of their rock tail mm-hmm. um, and in some cases I took the photos so I have to do like um you know you really have to dress the set and make it look cool um so that is fun and it's like with um the same with all the Rock and Roll Nightmares books. It's a um, portion of the proceeds goes to the Sweet Relief Musicians Fund, which is a wonderful nonprofit that um, I like to support whenever I can. So um, they help musicians that are down on their luck or if they need medical care or anything like that. So they're a really great organization. So every Rock and Roll Nightmares books profits go to a portion goes to sweet relief so that's the same thing with rocktail so it's really nice that the musicians who got on board are also you know helping promote it and getting the word out to their fan base as well how did you choose who you wanted to approach about it did you were they all friends or or how'd you do that uh you know it's kind of an eclectic mix some of them were friends and then other friends Um, For instance, Lisa, who's a photographer, she knows a lot of musicians because she's taken hundreds of photos of their guitars. So she was able to help me and put me, you know, connect me with some people. And then others I just reached out to randomly through social media, like um, Calico Cooper. She gave me a really great rock tail recipe. I'd never met her before. I don't know her, but I follow her on Instagram, dropped her line, and she was down. So. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool, um, kind of neat people like that. Like I said, it's an eclectic mix. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to have to pick that one up too. You, I, yeah. when I was looking through all your books, I'm like, Oh, I got to get that one. I got to get that one. So gonna get... that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. They look very cool. And your cover art is amazing too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I used to work for, um, a magazine in the, um, art department. So I actually make the, I do all the book covers myself. You do. I'm kind of a, a, a one man band here. Yeah. You, you like it that way? You like doing everything yeah. yourself? I do. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then I saw that you have another one coming up, I guess, soon. Ghosts of Electricity or something. Yeah, I do have some more um, installments planned in the Rock and Roll Nightmares series. So yes, one of them is Ghost of Electricity, which is sort of a paranormal look, you know, different paranormal stories um, that rockers have experienced or that there's haunted um, recording studios, um, haunted backstage areas. I mean, there's a whole um, bunch of them. So I want to put all that together into a book and that will probably be my next one. And then I have another one um, planned uh, about 
rocky relationships, love stories that, you know, kind of love gone wrong, um, shock rock. I mean, there's like an endless array of stories that I can choose to focus on for this series. Really excited about exploring all these stories. Yeah, that's a a genius idea with these books. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the sort of like the first spark of inspiration came from when I was looking for a book to read along these lines and I couldn't find one. So I thought, well, if I'm looking for something like this, then, you know, probably other readers are too. And that's, you know, kind of where the, the germinated from was that from me looking for it. And I hope that I'm filling a niche. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you are. I, I mean, I definitely encourage everyone to go check them out. I don't think they'll be disappointed. Right. Uh, and if you don't like to read, there's audiobooks too. <laughs> I got all, all the bases covered. Are you narrating them? No, no, no. I have professional actors narrating the audiobooks. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. Now with all of that, you know what I want to ask you about? You worked mm-hmm. in for Fangoria as well, right? So you were mm-hmm. in the horror yeah. industry before. Yeah, um, I really I made a living as an entertainment reporter and writer specializing in the horror genre for over a decade. Um, I worked for Fangoria. I was a freelancer, so I worked for Fangoria, Horror.com, the Sci-Fi Channel. I was their red carpet reporter. I would go to Comic-Con every year and work my butt off for five days in a row chasing down interviews. Um, One time I kind of wrote down everyone that I interviewed that one weekend, and it was 575 people that I interviewed in five days. Crazy. But it was fun. No, you never, you know, never a dull moment. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, well, um, one of the most surprising interviews that I got to do, considering that I um, specialized in the horror genre, was I got to interview Jimmy Page and Jack White on the same day for It Might Get Loud. And that was like, they're my two favorite guitar players. So I was in heaven. So it was really great to be able to do that. In fact, I have a little visual aid here. So I don't know if you can see this, but that's me nice. with the guys. Yeah. So that was really fun. Yeah, they were both so cool. And it was really fun. But I only got to interview them for like two minutes. It was crazy because they had so many people at the junket. It's kind of like a revolving door of reporters. You have to like sit down and ask a bunch of rapid fire questions. But um, yeah, I mean, I've interviewed so many like thousands of people and most of them were really great. Um, Definitely my favorite person to interview multiple times was Robin Williams. I mean, he was so funny and such a great guy. And what I loved about him was that a lot of times when you are on a press line, a red carpet or a junket, like I said, it's kind of like an assembly line. They sit in one room and then the reporters come and, you know, interview them for a few minutes. But he would always listen to my questions and then he would make a joke and build on my question. And (laughs) one time I was wearing a Led Zeppelin T-shirt and he made a joke about, um, having an album of Ethel Merman sings Led Zeppelin, you know, so he was very observant. He would, he would look at what you were wearing. He would listen to what you were saying. And I really liked that about him. 
Uh huh. Uh, that seems like a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of when you only have like a certain <laughs> yeah. couple minutes to talk to somebody. Exactly. I mean, one of the last interviews that I did before I left Hollywood, because I live in Las Vegas now, which is still, there's a lot of great entertainment here, but the press junkets are mostly in LA and New York. But I got to interview David Crosby, which was a really exciting for me because I've been a big fan of his for a long time. And it was about his documentary, um, Remember My Name. And so Cameron Crowe was there. And so it was Cameron Crowe, David Crosby, um, and the director of the film, who I know its name, but it's escaping me at the moment. So I had to interview three people, give them all equal attention. You have to ask them all questions. And I had about four or five minutes to do it. But it was really fun. Um, so it was it was great. And I actually made David Crosby laugh, which was <laughs> kind of exciting for me because I've heard he's a bit irascible and not always so friendly to reporters. So, oh, so no. it was fun. Um, so a lot of great experiences like that. And, um, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it's, you know, now I've moved on to something else where I'm really focusing on my books and my writing now. Sure. Now, do you still do your podcast? Because you have a rock and roll nightmare podcast as well, right? I do. Yeah. I had to take a little hiatus to finish those two books that I just put out, but um, yeah, I'm getting back to it. So I have a few interviews lined up. So it's kind of intermittent. Um, it's not something that I do every week, but mm -hmm. um, I try to keep it going because it's really fun. I still love talking to people and learning their stories and um, um, just giving people kind of a like yourself, you know, okay. a fun, easygoing forum to kind of just say whatever you want to. It's not always regimented. So it's, it is a lot of fun. And I get to talk to people that, you know, maybe you like the ventures, you know, maybe you're not super familiar with their music, but you know, you've heard it. Um, one of the best interviewees, you know, I mean, they're all great, but one of the best ones that I loved having on was Wadi Wachtel, who's also in my ventures documentary, but He's a session musician, and he's played on so many songs that we all know. Um, he co-wrote Werewolves of London with Warren Zevon. And so he's got some really amazing stories. So it was great to have him on. So it's like people like that where they're either producers or directors. I talked to a lot of directors of music documentaries to kind of get the inside story from mm -hmm. them. And, um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, is it hard to make a documentary? Is it, like, harder than, say, just a film, like a movie? <laughs> It's very hard because with the narrative film, you have a script, you have actors hired, you have a schedule, they show up in the morning, they go into makeup, they come out and they're on camera and they're doing their lines. And, you know, I mean, it's also hard work. Sometimes you can work 12 to 14 hours a day. And sometimes, especially if you're making a horror movie, you shoot a lot at night. So it's all nighters. So that's hard, but at least you have a definite beginning period and a definite ending period in everyone comes knowing what they're doing. So with the documentary, it's much more, I don't want to say chaotic, but, <laughs> but it is kind of chaotic because you're really at the whim of a lot of interviewees who you're just trying to hunt down. A lot of times managers will stonewall you and say, because it's not paid for one thing, you know, interviewees for a documentary, they don't get paid. They're doing right. it because they want to right. talk about it. So uh, like for instance, Billy Bob Thornton, um, he recorded with the ventures and he loves ventures. He's a huge fan. And I knew he'd want to do the documentary and I 
had lost touch with him because I used to have his information through his assistant. But, you know, over the years, I didn't keep in touch with him. So I lost that. So I was trying to get through to him through his manager. And the manager kept saying, yeah, no, he's not interested. He doesn't want to do it. And I was like, I don't think that's true because <laughs> I know he loves the ventures. So I actually happened to just run into him at the Sunset Marquee Hotel in Hollywood, where he loves to hang out. And I was at a gallery um, at the Morrison Gallery. Um, Henry Diltz, the rock and roll photographer, has a gallery there. So I was there at an opening, and I happened to see Billy Bob walking by with his entourage, and I like, dashed out. And I'm like, Billy, remember me? Because I had met him several times and interviewed him, too, in the course of my work as an entertainment reporter. So I said, oh, you know, I'm really sorry that you can't do the Ventures documentary. I'd love to have you. You know, maybe you could just do like a self-tape for a minute. He goes, what? Nobody ever told me about it. Of course I want to do it. So see, that's you get that a lot with managers, like say, just saying no on behalf of their client without ever sending it to them. So you run into a lot of that. And then, of course, another thing with the documentary is music rights, film clip rights, all those things just are kind of a headache. Yeah, yeah. Um, now in the documentary, in your documentary, did you, you used Ventures music, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, some of, yeah. I mean, some of it is original tunes that aren't well known, but of course I did have to use the big hits, but I couldn't afford to pay for them because the Ventures sold their rights a long time ago. And another thing is that they're not the, um, the composers of a lot of their biggest hit songs, they reinterpreted them their own way. So with huge um, conglomerates like Sony and BMG, and, you know, they don't care who you are, you're going to charge you tens of thousands of dollars for, you know, just a minute of one song, but you can get away with fair use for a few seconds. So that's how I managed to squeak by. How how long can you use a song? I never knew that. Just seconds at a time and it really has to be illustrative of what someone is talking about on screen so i couldn't play a whole song that's not related to what someone is saying because of it then it's not considered an educational or mm. fair use i see i see yeah i yeah. always wondered that about documentaries if they were difficult i thought about doing yeah, a documentary once and uh, i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i mean unless you really have a stake in it like i did i don't know if i would have you know, would do it again. I mean, if someone wanted to hire me to do it, that would be something else. But producing, you know, producing, writing, directing, doing all the interviews yourself. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. Okay. All right, Stacy. Well, your books are out. Um, all your books are out. You that people can get them on Amazon. Um, you have a website, StacyLaneWilson.com. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Pretty and, much. Uh, one would ever want to know is on there. Right, right. And they can hire you from your website if they like. <laughs> this, yeah, absolutely. I think I saw a hire link there, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm always open. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Stacy. Well, I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much. I really um, am honored to be on your show. I've been, you know, been watching it. And so glad to be among the illustrious interviewees. All right, Stacy. Well, hang out for a minute, okay? Don't go anywhere, and uh, thank you very much. Okay, thanks.